0: Hey everybody, and welcome to the Data Center Frontier Show. I'm Rich Miller, I'm the editor and founder of Data Center Frontier. And today we're gonna be talking about artificial intelligence, which is all the new hotness in the IT industry as everybody tries to get their arms around the implications of AI and chat GPT and what it might mean for their businesses. And in the case of our interests, what it might mean to data centers and digital infrastructure. For our conversation today, I'm joined by uh, our new senior editor at DCF, David Chernikoff. Uh, David, welcome.
1: Well, thank you, Rich. Glad to join you and glad to join DCF.
0: Uh, We're glad to have you on board. And and one of the reasons is that, you know, as we write about the data center industry, uh, we like to come at it from a a perspective of uh, experience and, and understanding of these technologies and how they all work together. With that. I thought it might be uh, useful to to uh, talk a little bit about uh, how you got to this point and and your uh, we call it the data center journey uh, and so you've had a a pretty good career going here in uh, technology journalism uh, how did you get started with this and and what are some of the the, the things you've you've done in the field?
1: Well, I guess it, I came from the hardware side. I was uh, back in the day. I, I, I ran testing for PC Week Labs. Uh, when that was a, an actual print publication remember those and uh, I, I, I was uh, the, the the technical director for the labs covered all handled all the testing applications but hardware has always been an interest hardware and networking so that's sort of how i I got into this business uh, prior to a journalism career i I, w- I was a networking administrator things of like that and, you know that sort of uh, whole general technical jobs that everybody in IT does at some point in their career uh, did most of those. And then I moved into journalism, and what ended up happening was, you know, data centers grew out of you know the, the from the closet in the the office to the to the room in the building to the dedicated facility, and I, I wrote primarily and researched the. The equipment that was installed in data centers, the, the networking hardware, the server hardware, the IT workload stuff, for the most part, uh, not much on the facility side though. I did, you know, talk about, you know, power and cooling and those issues that became more of an issue back you know, in the day. And from that, I, I was uh, offered the opportunity, uh, more than a decade ago, to start the data center blog for ZDNet, and. That got me more, much more deeply into the data center world. I mean, um, AWS was taking off. The competitors were starting to take off. The whole cloud was taking off, and it was like, okay, data centers are a big part of this. They decided to start a blog on the topic, and I and I did that for six years. Um, shortly after wandering out of that piece of it, I, I took a job uh, as a running a thought leadership site for a major hardware vendor. And, um, you know, you were aware of that. Anybody who looks at my profile will see that. I was with HPE for for those six years. And, uh, you know, had an opportunity to talk to a lot of very smart people about the technology that's in a lot of data centers. That, that came to an end, and
0: here I am. One of the, the reasons we were interested in having you join Data Center Frontier is that uh, you do have that uh, background in understanding uh, hardware and and how that relates to uh, the larger data center operation. Uh, this is a really interesting time for uh, data center and hardware and, uh, uh, and chips and servers, partly because of uh, the emergence of, uh, of AI. And we'll talk more about that in, in a minute, but, but what's your kind of a high level take on what the, the big trends are that are, are, Guiding the world of uh, of chips and servers, and uh, it seems to be an interesting time for for IT hardware.
1: Well, certainly, it certainly is. I mean, the the uh, I,
0: I I was on a tour a
1: few a few years back of uh, Microsoft's Quincy data center. I think you might have even been there, and they and they showed us a data hall that when they built the data center, the hall was filled with servers. And here, like five years later there was one rack with like five servers in it. And that was doing the same job that the original completely filled data center was, hall was doing. And I think that you know, we've continued down that path. Um, chips and you know, processors have gotten more powerful, uh, but the, the power demand where now we have you know, a rack of servers has the same power demand that, that five or six years ago was an entire data hall's worth of power and power densities You know, have become such a big problem It used to be when we talked about chips, uh, um, chiplets, uh, whatever the issue was, the number one thing was, okay, how much power is it drawing? So how much heat is it going to generate? Well, sometimes it seems like there's a, a race now to say, gee, look how hot our stuff runs. I bet you can't run any hotter. You know what's what's the TDP? What's the TDW for this for this this chip design or this or this package technology? And as a result, you know it's had a big impact on data centers. Yes, higher density in terms of performance, so they can get more work done. But conversely, you've got to be able to cool it. You've got to be able to power it. Um, we're in a time where the issue becomes: is the power available? And it's not. I mean, can I put a data center someplace? Do I have space to put my data center anywhere? Yep. And you know the, the hardware has to align with the the entire nature of the business it can't drive the business anymore it has it has to be able to fit into the way the business has to work and that's that's i think that's a big difference for the data center industry it's made a big change in the in the whole approach to the business
0: a place that we've seen uh, the impact most on the data side, uh, center side as you noted is in cooling and, and density and rack density and this is something that uh, has been uh, an issue for years because I remember seeing my first demonstration of uh, you know rack level liquid cooling technology. Uh, it was at a seven by twenty four exchange uh, event, uh, a local one in two thousand two. And then the the story was like any day now we're going to have these you know high density is coming and we're going to need to shift from traditional air cooling to liquid cooling and over the years there's always been this this uh, possibility on the horizon that suddenly density was going to begin to spike but by and large in practice uh density levels have stayed pretty flat until the past two or three years we definitely see things start to to nudge upward i think some of the data from you know uptime and afcom is it shows about a 30% increase in uh uh, in the, the general uh, rack level, uh, kilowatts per rack since then. But at the same time, as you noted, everybody's looking at these uh, new chips that have a much higher you know, watts per chip and, and, uh, and people are thinking very hard about how they're going to cool it. And a lot of that has to do with the kind of workloads they're trying to serve. So cloud uh, you know, was a little bit denser than most of the the workloads and and certainly uh, the cloud operators are pretty good at trying to get the highest utilization possible. So they're trying very hard to put as many servers in a rack as they can to make the most of their power bill. But now with uh, the rise of artificial intelligence, this is an area where, you know, it's been brewing for a number of years, but it's mostly been sort of a small part of a, a larger operation. Uh, But that experience with those, you know, uh, workloads off in the corner of a data center somewhere uh, has been that this stuff runs really hot. So, which brings us to sort of our current moment. November, ChatGPT comes out and suddenly the world is talking about artificial intelligence. Uh, As part of your early duties here at DCF, you've been talking with a lot of uh, people in the, the hardware ecosystem, the data center ecosystem. What's your take on, uh, you know, how things have changed over the last few months, and and kind of where we're at in in uh, the AI journey, and and what that means?
1: Well, it certainly seems like everybody's looking for the the right hook for their their AI product, uh, be it be it a specialized chips, be it specialized you know systems to support AI, be it uh, new large language models, be it new training models. Um, there's a a much larger driving factor with software than there might have been in the past, because of the the very nature of training AI. You know, the, the whole machine learning process. Um, we, we we find ourselves with with data centers where, okay, I've got Nvidia processors or whoever's AI chips I've, I've been I've decided to, to use, and my experience with running you know workloads is. You know, I run 60, 70% utilization, maybe 80% if I'm really, while these things are going on, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm training large language models and running racks and racks of servers at 90% utilization. Regardless of what technology I've chosen, my infrastructure has to be able to support that. So, you know, to a large extent, it's it's a the same issue i have to be i have to have the supporting infrastructure to to get my model to work correctly and it's great that there have been a lot more people or a lot more businesses looking at new types of technologies I mean, when you, when you look at at Grock or Cerebus or anybody that's doing custom designed asics or, right. or you know fpga I mean, you just wrote about uh, facebook and their new and their new specialized designs for, for AI. Um, they're all finding new ways to do this, but the bottom line is, can they support the power and cooling demands? I mean, it doesn't seem to really matter what, what, what you pick. You've, that, that's really the, the impact on your life as, as an operator or uh, um, is, can I support this? And I want to be able to offer AI on demand to my customers as, as, a, as a super scale or even as a second tier provider. Setting up my data center to support that kind of delivery has become a much more complex topic.
0: Yeah, it, it uh, definitely has got a lot of people thinking. And I think the first step is uh, everyone trying to figure out what AI is going to, and generative AI is going to mean to them. I think in the past, there's been a lot of AI, uh, artificial intelligence that has gone on largely in the background of uh, uh, applications that people use, whether it's the the Google algorithms or Facebook's recommender models, or their ability—you know—I always use the example of, uh, you know, AI. To, when you upload a photo, it'll tell you which of your friends uh, is in the photo and and who to tag. That's the kind of thing that's been going on for a while. Mm-hmm. But the generative AI, uh, where you can like create content by typing a prompt or you know a, a voice to chat. Um, that's a new thing, and I think it's gotten a lot of people thinking about, uh, in a more concrete way, about what AI might mean to them. And, you know, the the cloud guys have uh, very quickly said, hey, we're going to try to build this into lots of things. I think the jury's out on exactly how consumers are going to wind up using a lot of this technology. But I think for everyone in business, they've looked at the possibility that this is going to be really disruptive, some are trying to play defense with their current business models. Some are thinking of new things they can do with that uh, to gain share. Uh, lots of folks have noted that Bing wasn't necessarily a relevant search engine until all of a sudden OpenAI comes along and they've got uh, you know ChatGPT uh, integrated into it. So, but from a data center perspective, the demands of the hardware and the environment to support it, which, as you noted, folks got to have uh, an environment that can run this stuff. As the, the the demands change a little bit, that kind of creates interesting questions about where your stuff's going to live. Uh, and, you know, you've done some stories looking at the different models at, you know, cloud, uh, you know, colo. Uh, what, what's your, uh, you know, sense from the early reporting you've, you've done about what kind of Decisions folks are going to have about uh, what AI means for where they house their stuff and what models they pursue. There's going to be
1: a huge amount of cloud-driven stuff because, frankly, most companies can't afford to make a big investment in the hardware. you are talking ten thousand dollars a processor for a project that may or may not deliver those kinds of results. It makes a lot more sense to do an on-demand service of some sort from one of the providers. Um, that being said, the trick is you have to provide the data for your selected provider to use to train the model for you. Grant granted, you can always pick a standard. If you're looking at standardized things, I need to do customer support. I need to do you know interactive voice, I you know, simple things that pretty much are the same for every customer. You're going to do that because everybody's going to be doing that. Right. And, it's going to, and it's going to be less expensive in the long run for you to have that kind of interactive support, for, you know, for example. But if I want to make, start, start doing things that make my customers, it's optimized for my customers, mm-hmm. I've got to start providing training data. And I've got to have a, a link or a, I don't even want to say partner. I have to know something about the different AI models. I have to know, so not everything. Because you know, I don't, I don't want to make every businessman an AI expert. I mean, that's right. obviously not practical. But I need to be able to say, okay, here's ten different models that are being offered by by AWS or by IBM Watson X or by Microsoft Azure. Uh, here, here's different training models. Okay, I have to move my data to it, and once I have my data there, I need to build that 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 inference engine that gives me the right. Responses from my customers. I think that that's going to be a big part of it. You know, uh, talking about there's going to be a cost issue, I think, is a big deal. You know, we talk, you know, the ingress and uh, the, the cost of getting your data from wherever it is now to where it needs to be to do that kind of training doesn't get talked about a lot. Right. But I but I think it's go- I think we're going to be covering it quite a bit more in the in the near future because it's going to be a, a big part of what data center is going to have to be able to offer. What what the what these or second tier providers are going to have to be able to say to their customers, all right, you need to get this data from your 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 flash arrays that are in a colo to my site. How do I do that? And I think it's going to be a long time before there's there's the flexibility to just say, it doesn't matter where it is. You can just, you know, access it. There's going to be a lot of security issues. There's going to be a lot yep. of specific business models that work best in, maybe maybe the NVIDIA processors are best for your design. Maybe it's a, maybe you can brute force it with, you know, a, a wall of Intel Xeons. Maybe it it really, people don't seem to understand how all that works. And I think that that that's that's going to be a big part of, the learning curve is going to be there for business as well as the IT people who have to support it. And I don't think it's there yet, except in a very narrow space. You can understand the hardware, you can understand the software, but you really have to know what solution you're looking for. What is it? What problem am I trying to solve? Now, that's classic IT. Right. Right. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to get lost, you know you, you know, you don't want to see, cannot be able to see the forest for the trees. My business, I have to solve my business problems and I have to solve them in a way that, you know, you know, classic answer. I have to have a competitive business advantage. Well, how do I do that? I have to understand a little bit of it. Am I going to partner with somebody? Am I going to start small and go big? Am I going to start big? And I think that's going to be the biggest issue here is, is how customers decide to approach this. And we haven't, we don't know yet. We don't know what that's going to be because we're still in the infancy of the entire AI evolution, as it were.
0: Yeah, there's elements of this that are like cloud was in the early days. Definitely. Uh, You know, where first people fussed about definitions. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of, uh, I would say, cloud bashing in the early days where people, you know, it's like anything that's kind of disruptive. People like, no, the future isn't really com- coming. The, this, the thing that we've done here is really the best thing uh, going forward. And, and that changed pretty quick, quickly as the use cases and the business models began to emerge. Uh, people saw some of their competitors, in many cases, moving stuff to the cloud and using it to, to you know, support their business and, and accelerate it. And, and that, of course, is why we've seen so much uptake for cloud over time. But that was a process that took a while, and and there's also the that was also one where the, uh, the how the data gets to from point A to point B uh, was a big deal, um, and the network's tough that way. I'm reminded of the old saying: "It's like never underestimate the bandwidth of a station wagon filled with tapes rolling down the highway." The thing that I I kind of wonder about in terms of how people make choices here is that in the early days of cloud, one of the things was well, you, do do we trust these folks with our data? If we're really, you know, using our crown jewels, and I think that's one of the interesting things about what folks are going to train on and how they're going to then uh, get value that's unique to them and differentiates their their operation. You know, does that happen in house? Is it in cola? Are they they good with uh, someone sending some of that data? To the cloud. I mean, I know that there's a lot of people who are being warned. Yeah, don't enter stuff into Chat GPT, You know, if it's a uh, uh, proprietary to our business, how does the the whole uh, you know the data security and uh, holding on to the crown jewels has that factor into how people might make decisions going forward?
1: I think you're you just pointed out that the biggest one of the biggest issues, um, especially after you know Samsung officially said. We, you know, our engineers can no longer use ChatGPT. We just we just gave them a bunch of proprietary information and didn't mean to, but it solved the problem. But we gave them. We actually had somebody give them information to a public cloud provider. That's the issue, is that people have to realize that ChatGPT is like uploading your data to Wikipedia, but a customized installation running on one of the cloud providers is not the same thing. Is that you're building. Maybe you know GPT four might be the model you're using, GPT three five, whatever whatever you select. But the trick is you're not you're not using the, the generic Chat GPT model, and that and that's what people have to concern concern themselves with, is that you have to find the provider that's going. You know, you're on you're in a hybrid cloud now, whether you like it or not. There's right. still plenty of businesses that that did intentionally put themselves in, in a hybrid environment, and. The, the AI portion is simply an other tool that that's part of your hybrid cloud. So you're not going to go to a public cloud provider in, in the same way. If you're going to AWS, if you're going to Google, you're going through a specific piece of that. You're, you're investing in Google, Google's TensorFlow processors or AWSs um, or Microsoft or NVIDIA. Whoever you choose, the issue is you're setting up a very specific cloud that is only you. That's proprietary to your technologies, to your, your information, that has the, the background of all the basic training information that's been used to build the, the large language models, to build the, the, the AI inference engines, but now you're going to customize it for you. And that and you have to understand that's there's a difference between that and asking Chat GPT a question. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people don't understand what's
0: going on yet. Yeah, and I think there's going to be a lot of education around that. Uh, and and obviously the the cloud folks have some some pretty clear strategies about how they may go about trying to help folks with this because as you noted for a lot of particularly in the early days as folks were trying to sort out the economics of working in the with cloud installations is probably much easier than trying to retool your uh, your on premises data center uh, but I do wonder about how. Uh, the traditional service providers that we see in either co-location or, or the wholesale data center services, uh, all of these folks have, uh, uh, have done very well in working with cloud providers in leasing them and building, you know, build to suit buildings for them. That certainly seems like one way in which, you know, if business goes to the cloud that uh, there's, there's uh, some juice in it for data center developers and, um, what uh, what are you what are you hearing what are you seeing from in terms of like uh, where the co-location piece fits into that is this a hybrid cloud story there or?
1: I think by default it's a hybrid cloud story because you, you you've got to get the data you know it's the, it's the edge to cloud story it's the hybrid cloud story um, I guess you're going to see more um, partnering between the big uh, you know I don't want to call them mid-tier people like Dell Apex and HP Green lake where they're going to partner with colo providers so you can get you know the on prem azure instance or whatever it might be to let you start building your 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 ai models in a totally controlled area before you start making use of of the broader capabilities offered on a larger scale by by these same providers, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna do a colo installation where you can do your development, where you can do your testing, where you can move your data securely. I, I think that's 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 gonna be in the back of everybody's mind. You know, do I still have control over my data? I'm gonna figure out ways to build that edge to cloud environment. I'm gonna stick AI at the edge as well. You know, I have I don't have to just have AI running, you know, in a in a in a, in a data center or that you know, I have coloing somewhere. Once I've started to build my models, I can use you know, some of these edge processes um, one of the stories I wrote you know, we talked about you know Qualcomm and, and and vendors like that who are building low-powered processors specifically to apply AI uh, solutions at the edge so I'll be able to do have a better mm-hmm. process in terms of that tiered step to handle my data to make it more useful to me and to my customers and that's that's going to continue and, and the coo guys, are going to be right there because they're the ones providing those edge data centers. They're the ones providing that that intermediate step before people go to the to a superscaler.
0: And they're yeah, working was, with the superscalers. Yeah, there was uh, some interesting discussion at Data Center World uh, about edge AI and uh, and the fact that some of the the models and the software that's being developed uh, is going to be optimized to work in a in a smaller footprint and and be less data intensive than you know certainly training, but but on the inference side, uh, the Cloudflare folks had some interesting uh, commentary about how some of the open source models may be really helpful in spurring growth of uh, AI at the edge. Uh, one of the things that we uh, have to do by nature with AI is kind of look forward since. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of the the real impact, it seems to me, is on the the horizon. So to to wrap up, I thought I'll uh, I'll sort of ask you to to share what you think is going to be interesting to watch uh, in the next few months as the use of AI and generative AI begins to become a little bit more real and in, in how folks are are using it
1: in terms of impact on users. It's going to be whatever they can accomplish at the edge, because that's where you and I interact with, a, with the AIs. And that's where I'm going to see the results that make a difference. And it's not going to be Amazon recommending these products to me. It's going to go, it's going to go beyond that. So then I think that the where we're going to see the, the, the biggest wave is in education, because the privacy people are going to be screaming their heads off even more than they already are. Because it's going to appear that more and more data is being used to to profile you, Rich Miller, as an entity, in the, as a customer, and right. then that data will be sold and resold and what or whatever the case may be. But it's going to be AI that's going to make it possible for that data to be more accurate and that data to be used appropriately. The the story we're writing about the 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 ISC conference right now right. the the issue the super the supercomputing people are bringing up is the ethics of AI. And not 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 the uh, the broad. Um, I don't want to create Skynet kind of ethics. But 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 how is Bob's hardware using AI to profile their customers? Are have they crossed the line? What is the line? And I think that along with the, I mean the hardware is one thing, but the but the the societal issues in making use of this kind of information are gonna have more of an impact. And I think that people are gonna realize that they need to make those decisions before they make the giant investment in hardware, the giant investment in cloud services, whatever it might be, they have to understand how they're going to use it. And that's the issue. Do people really understand how generative AI works? What can I do with it? And what can I do with it in an ethical and appropriate manner with my business?
0: Yeah, and I think that's that's a, as always with any sort of fast moving technology, uh, how to sort of create ethical frameworks around it and determine which areas maybe might or ought be regulated in all of this. And then you have the issue of, well, do do regulators really understand it well enough to be making uh, uh, good decisions on it? So
1: and can they keep up?
0: Well, and that has obviously it's been a, a big problem. I, I do think that uh, some of the recent hearings have, have been a good step forward in terms of helping uh, some of the folks who would uh, think about regulation get up to speed on what's going on. But lots to come ahead, both on the societal impact, which I think everybody is watching. Uh, you know, we're, we're, all, we're all gonna keep an eye out for Skynet just in case. And the data center industry, obviously watching all of this very closely. So, uh, David, thanks so much for your insights, and, and we'll be looking for more coverage from you on Data Center Frontier. Thanks, Rich. And uh, to our, our listeners, thanks, as always, for listening to the Data Center Frontier Show, where we tell the story of the data center industry one podcast at a time. Take it easy, everybody. Until next time. Thanks for listening to the Data Center Frontier Show. You can find the show notes for this episode at datacenterfrontier.com podcast, including links to the resources Rich has mentioned. Be sure to subscribe to the Data Center Frontier Show at Apple, iTunes, Spotify, or where you find your podcasts. If you enjoyed this show, please tell your friends or share about it on your social channels. You can always find us on the web at datacenterfrontier.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Until next time.